0: Welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike.
1: I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And whether you're talking about conventions where you've got businessmen expensing $50 hot dogs, anime fans paying $40 to be able to go into a room to buy a $200 body pillow, or game conventions where all the gamers just get the stench in one place so they can play their cards and games. They're, they all have one thing in common. Every convention has security guards who don't approve of any of you fuckers.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yes, that is true. He's not what wrong. What the
2: hell is that?
0: <laughs> something wrong with you people.
2: You are not coming in here with that.
0: <laughs> you going traveling? <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that, that guy works everywhere.
0: Yeah, that... <laughs> He's he's just a security guard to make sure everybody's getting home on time. (laughs) You're leaving. You're going traveling. All right. So this week we are talking about conventions. Conventions then, conventions now, con, con, cons all over the place.
1: Yeah, we have a long history with conventions just across the board in terms of uh, experience with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Cons! If you like random Star Wars, Star Trek references, Whoa, <laughs> we're gonna go. No, <laughs> no. what gonna... just happened? Whenever we might get I voicemails. Star, whenever I say star, I immediately follow it by wars. <laughs>
2: oh man. If you like bungled
1: geek references, you might find a couple on the shows on Geek Life Radio, including such shows as All Things Transformers, the Anime Trap House, the Day One Patch Podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, the Smorgasbord. That's a theme from Star
3: Trek.
0: That reminds me of my favorite quote, I'm aiming to misbehave from Han Solo.
1: Yeah, I (laughs) deserve (laughs) those.
0: All right. So if you're looking for more of this, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We're on Podbean, Blueberry, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. We are all over. If you have a podcast app, you can just search for it. And if you can't find us on your podcast app, let us know. I'll get us on there because let's so just face They can't it find
1: in. us. How are they letting us know?
0: Well, I mean, if we're not on their podcast app.
1: Oh, I see. see yeah, man, they've already found us.
0: I mean, we're a bunch of horrors anyway. You let us know. We'll be there with with bells speaking of which do we have any voicemails sure hope not (laughs) so if you want to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 708 now wrapped that's 708-669-9727 uh you can also click on our contact them contact us or whatever the button says on facebook and join our discord chat um rather lively conversation going on in fact today we were talking about uh caesar's
1: yeah bloody caesar the national drink of canada
0: so Josh is knee deep in Caesars, and
1: oh, my Caesar's, Caesar's already we... gone. We were like... casting for my upcoming movie. last Yeah, night. we haven't even made it to this weekend, and my bloody Caesar is already gone.
3: Last Tango yeah. in Paris,
0: Texas.
1: <laughs>
0: oh. oh, that's that's in, enticing and repulsive at the same time. Pat does like butter. Ooh. All right, now On that
1: it's... note I think is
0: about that time. Mm-hmm.
4: This week in music. Movies and TV
0: and sports, baby.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Just <laughs> double, 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 double. Oh, what's that? What's that song from um, Shaun of the Dead? That's what you made me think of when you did that. <laughs> White, White lines. lines. Yeah. Yeah.
2: White
0: All right. lines. So this week. The
2: dominant, the
0: dominant. <laughs> now that's gonna be stuck in my head too. <laughs> Little Willie, little Willie, go home. All right, so this week we're going with August 24th, 1968. That is the first official Gen Con held in Horticultural Hall, a small yet historic convention center in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It had 96 attendees and was uh, hosted by Gary Gygax. Indeed. Yes.
3: And only one deodorant in the
0: bunch. Ew! No, I'm sure they were. I would hope Gary would be like Frank. You stink. Go home.
3: Well, Gary's the one who had the deodorant.
0: Uh, so music, guy gags.
3: All right, uh, the number one song in the land was "People Got to Be Free" by the Rascals.
1: Great, that's a great song. That is a great song. Like I like just about everything by the Rascals. So that's hard uh, hard to disagree with.
3: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andreas Rudolf Kisser is a Brazilian musician, songwriter, and producer. He is most known for being the lead guitarist for the metal band Sepultura. He has been featured on every Sepultura release since her second album, Schizophrenia. Additionally, Kisser has also been involved in other bands, uh, as the such as the rock supergroup Hail, uh, Sexoturica, and more recently, De Tierra. Tierra? I'm so glad I do Tierra. not have
0: music at this point.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, Definitely Tierra. That got messy there. I saw Sepultura Live once. They're very loud.
0: but <laughs> I'd never know. even heard of them. No nope huh. you wouldn't like them yeah <laughs> i can definitely say patrick would not enjoy a subtura yeah that's a, a pretty fair cop
3: uh moving on born august 25th make it <laughs> jesus christ what what thorth and parls you know <laughs> i'm at
0: thorth and parls so i mean i if
1: started this it... with star wars and it's gone downhill since
0: if it wasn't for the fact that was my name i'd be concerned
2: Oh my God! Didn't right. we, didn't we say, "Oh, we'll kick this out easy. This is a convention show. This should be nothing." You <laughs> Can't even us. get through the tweet.
3: All right, hold on. You got from Washington? <laughs> Born. August 25th, Michael David Cummings, better known as Spider One, is an American singer, songwriter, record producer, and director. He is the founder and only consistent member of rock band Power Man 5000 and the owner of Megatronic Records. He created the horror black comedy documentary series Death Valley, which aired on MTV for one season in 2011 i have and no idea who this is so i yeah, have nothing to say rob that. zombie's brother really yeah it's yeah. his
1: little brother huh I, I was gonna say the only thing i know about this guy is power man 5000 yeah
0: i, I yeah. can see him going out to bars and be like hey michael cummings you may know me as spider one and everyone's like uh.
3: yeah he's because rob zombie's name is robert robert bartlett cummings and that's his little brother michael wow no huh. so, there you go fun fact all right. Uh, Stuart Lee Murdoch, born August 25th, is a Scottish musician, writer and filmmaker and the lead singer and songwriter for the indie pop band Bell and Sebastian.
1: Huh, totally different than I imagined.
3: Totally different than Sepultura. Yeah. Like the opposite yes. of
1: Sepultura.
0: Didn't that used to be a cartoon, too? Like a kid's cartoon, Bell and Sebastian? It's like It was like uh, imagine like Heidi with a big white dog. I
3: thought it was a book series. Was it? Huh. Oh. I'm not sure now. Okay. Somebody
0: look it up. I I'm not going to.
1: It's a weird spin off with the girl from Beauty and the Beast and the crab from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> I would watch that.
3: I'd watch Belle and Sebastian Stan. If that was a thing.
0: Uh <laughs> Sebastian he's just shooting everybody and Bell's in the corner crying. You shot the wardrobe.
3: It was a film, it looks like. At one point? I don't know. Take great. a deep dive later. Yeah. Uh, Where was I? Oh, yeah. And finally, on August 22nd, Cynthia Lennon sued John Lennon for divorce on grounds of adultery with Yoko Ono, among others. The following day, Ringo Starr temporarily quit the band during the recording of the White Album. During his time apart from the group, Ringo Starr borrowed a yacht belonging to actor and friend Peter Sellers and traveled to Sardinia, where he ended up writing Octopus's Garden. That is a very strange paragraph. Yeah, it is. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, if you're a Beatle, you're not having a normal life.
0: Yeah. Though I would tell you right now, if somebody were to say to me, hey, would you like to go on a yacht cruise with Ringo Starr and Peter Sellers? I'd be like, yes, I do. Let's go. That is
1: something I didn't know I wanted.
0: But yes, I
2: would like that.
0: I would totally love to hang out with these two yahoos for an entire week on a boat.
2: (laughs) Now that I know that exists, I want to do it.
0: Okay. Well, here's a question then. If you had
3: a choice at that time, at that, that time, not like now, but then, between Yoko Ono and Cynthia Lennon, are you really going to go with Yoko Ono?
1: No.
2: Well, I mean, the the problem with Cynthia Lennon was that she was a uh, a homebody. She wanted to stay home. She wanted she wanted to have a family and raise kids. And she didn't like John Lennon going off on going on tours and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they they never should have married in the first place. And
1: mm-hmm. the problem with Yoko Ono is that she was Yoko Ono,
2: <laughs> right? Exactly. So mm-hmm. the, the real answer is neither.
0: Yeah. Either way, you
2: lose that.
3: So you're saying you'd prefer Ringo Starr over either one? A hundred percent.
2: Yeah, John definitely should have dated Ringo instead of either one of them.
3: Okay,
0: all right. Sorry, Josh. I'm not really really sure what you're
1: asking, John, but okay.
2: (laughs) If it'll keep the band together.
1: I'm dragging us into movies, like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) The number one movie in the land was Rosemary's Baby, starring Mia Farrow. (sighs) Such a good movie. And um,
2: I'm not dreaming. This is
1: not a dream. Uh, who was it that just died this
0: week? Lots of people. No, the actor Charles Grodin. Charles, Charles Groden. He was the uh, gynecologist. Oh, that is a strange tie-in and pull. But I mean, it's not wrong. No, accurate. Yeah. All that right, a fucked up movie, though. So good.
1: Barbara Ann Moore, who was born on August 21st in Spokane, Washington, is an American glamour model, actress, and professional ballroom dancer. She was chosen as Playboy's Playmate of the Month for December 1992 and went on to serve as Playboy ambassador for several years. Among her television credits, she had a role as a lifeguard in Baywatch, she played one of the fembots in the film Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. And as a professional dancer, she was twice named as a U.S. National Pro-Am Ballroom Dance Champion. In February 2018, she was recruited to serve as Chief Branding Officer for Playmates for a Peaceable Planet.
0: Huh. Is that like the sister band to Digable Planets? I'm just imagining,
3: like, at the U.N. They're like, uh, I call on the Playboy Ambassador.
2: The- <laughs>
0: Go ahead, Pat. Let it out.
2: <laughs> no, I real, I realized... I thought he was talking about the last point, That I realized he was talking about the Playboy ambassador, and it actually made me laugh, so never mind. Fair
0: enough. I was going to say I'll include a picture in the show notes, but I don't think I'm going to
1: do that.
2: <laughs> no, um, that will be very distracting.
1: Billy Boyd, who was born on August 28th, is a Scottish actor and musician. He played Peregrine Pippin, Took, in Peter Jackson's epic film trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, Barrett Bondon in Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, and Glenn slash Glenda in Seat of Chucky.
3: We like Billy Boyd.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah.
3: I looked her up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah not my yeah, type.
2: Yeah, she's just a playmate of the year. Yeah, yeah.
3: She's not my type though.
2: Oh yeah, you know, kick her out of bed.
0: Attractive. <laughs> Damn, <just> cries, dude.
2: <laughs> I mean, because she's a playboy playmate, man. Don't I don't, like... act, don't act like don't act like she's like meh. Nah.
1: Yeah. I mean, in later pictures
2: i don't know yeah oh both of you shut up she's
1: she's hot hot kind of generically like a a red corvette is a sports car doesn't mean i want to drive one
2: but it doesn't mean you would turn one down either if somebody said hey you want to drive this around for a year well he's no good on the
0: stick anyway so it's true (laughs) that is true (coughs)
2: oh is this
0: where i kill pat
2: (laughs) oh good that was a good one all right
0: so tv the top shows in the land were mayberry rfd bewitched the beverly hillbillies and candid camera there is a show idea right there candid camera and punk type shows
1: do they oh, still hidden, do camera,
2: hidden camera type shows. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, yeah, I guess they do because uh, th- there was a film that was all hidden camera pranks not so long ago.
2: And they're they're mostly on YouTube now anyway. Yeah, maybe that is
0: something. Yeah, they're all entitled It's Just a Prank Dude before someone gets the shit beat out of them. Right. Talking about bad trip that...
1: Yeah, that was so. yeah. bad trip I was thinking
2: of.
3: Well, only, I mean, even things like Borat, technically as a candid camera kind of show, it's
0: scripted, more more scripted, but yeah,
2: yeah, we could get a whole show out of that for sure. Yeah,
0: totally. All right. So, Rachel Domenica Ray was born August twenty fifth. She's an American television personality, businesswoman, celebrity cook, and author. She hosts the programs Rachel Ray and Thirty Minute Meals. Other programs to her credit include Rachel Ray's Tasty Travels. a day, and the reality format shows Rachel vs. Guy, Celebrity Cook-Off. And the acronym of the week, which is R-R-K-C-O.
1: I'm pretty sure that stands for Ronald Reagan killed Karl Orff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? Why would he do that? Excuse me while I look up Karl Orff.
2: German composer of Carmina Burana. What? Yeah, he beat me to it. (laughs) I can't believe
0: I forgot who Karl Orff was. Oh, Fortuna! Well, old Fortuna is
3: the true devil's music. <laughs> Sounded like Bill Moseley I, in The Devil's Rejects.
2: That That is, that is a nice reference, Carl Orff, sir. Who oh, actually died
1: in 1982.
2: I, I thought that
1: was... <laughs> oh! Oh.
0: That, that
2: yeah. is actually Rachel Ray's Kids Cook-Off. Oh. Yeah. So close.
0: So, uh, Miss Ray has written several cookbooks based on 30-minute meals concept and has launched a magazine every day with Rachel Ray. That's a terrifying thought. In 2006, Ray's television shows have won three Daytime Emmy Awards.
1: And apparently she is just a nightmare of a human being.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard, too.
1: Yeah, before that became a popular thing to just say about her, like a couple of friends of mine went to a taping of one of her shows. And yeah, they said that like while the cameras were on, she's one thing, and when they're off, she's just a nightmare.
0: Good. That's why they're all 30-minute shows, because that's all people can stand. And the amount of like stuff that they had like has her name on it. It's like the rate the what was the most ridiculous thing I saw? Like the Rachel Ray like, butt
2: plug. Flamethrower. Butt plug.
0: How do you cook? Combination you don't, butt plug flamethrower. <laughs> 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 don't, don't get the sides mixed up. <laughs> yeah, don't don't flip that switch. Um no, don't it was just like that like Rachel Ray like scrap bowl. Or something like that. At the, I saw at the store. It was like it's a bowl you're supposed to put to the side while you're cooking to throw like the tops of the carrots in. For mm-hmm. I, I'm like, what? It just the sink is right there. Why do you need to spend twelve bucks on a bowl to throw carrot tops in? I mean, if her face is on it with like a little like target, yeah, you know, I would, I would throw Rachel Ray at carrot tops, t- carrot top. <laughs> throw a carrot, top carrot, carrot top at Rachel Ray.
2: What if carrot carrot is on the bowl?
0: Yeah, gonna <laughs> throw Rachel Ray in there.
2: Oh my God. I'm moving on to sports. Thank you. Shoichi Funaki, (laughs) born August 24th, is a Japanese professional wrestler and color commentator signed to WWE, where he is a one-time cruiserweight champion and a one-time hardcore champion. He currently works for WWE as a Japanese language play-by-play commentator. Stanley Joseph McCabe was an Australian cricketer who played 39 test matches for Australia from 1930 to 1938. A short, stocky right-hander. <laughs> McC- oh, this paragraph. You're going to love this paragraph. All right. A short, stocky right-hander. McCabe was described as one of Australia's greatest and most enterprising batsmen and by his captain, Don Bradman, as one of the greatest batsmen of the game. He was never dropped from the Australian test team and was known for his footwork, mastery of fast bowling, and the hook shot against the body line strategy. What?
3: Yeah, you know the hook line against body strategy.
2: I
0: I didn't realize anybody had any sort of strategy against the body line hook shot.
2: He also regularly bowled <laughs> medium pace and often opened the bowling at a time when Australia lacked fast bowlers using an off cutter. He was one uh, of the Wisden cricketers of the year in 1935. Sadly, he died August 25th of a skull fracture after falling from a cliff at his <laughs> home in Mosman, <laughs> New South Wales, after attempting to dispose of a dead possum. <laughs>
3: That took he a was, strange <laughs> turn.
2: He was he was trying to throw a dead possum off the cliff and accidentally fell over himself.
0: His last words were "Whoop." Yep.
1: <laughs> That's like the third leading cause of cause of death in Australia, though. <laughs> to be fair, throwing what? away dead possums or falling off a cliff. <laughs> throwing, throwing dead possums off a cliff and following them. He shouldn't try to bowl
0: it at a medium pace. You <laughs> <laughs> can see he's at the funeral. Oh, I'm so sorry. How did he die? And it's just like AIDS. Let's just leave it at that. Because I don't want to explain it.
2: That's less embarrassing than
0: less em- AIDS is less embarrassing than how him and the guy who invented the Segway died. Good God. Meanwhile,
2: All right.
3: Ringo Starr is passing by, and he's like, oh, look at that.
2: And lastly. Possum's 19- Garden doesn't work. In 1968. Arthur Ashe won the United States American am, the United States Amateur Championships against Davis Cup teammate Bob Lutz, and he also won the first U.S. Open of the Open era, becoming the first black male to capture the title and the only player to have won both the Amateur and Open National Championships in the same year. In order to maintain his Davis Cup eligibility and have time away from Army duty for important tournaments, Ashe was required to maintain his amateur status. Because of this, he could not accept the $14,000 first prize money, which was instead given to to runner-up Tom Oker, while Ash received just $20 daily expenses for his historic triumph. His ability to compete in the championship and avoid the Vietnam War altogether arose from his brother Johnny's decision to serve an additional tour in Vietnam in his place. Wow. Holy crap. Yeah.
0: He
3: better have done something really nice for him.
2: He probably gave him the $20 a day in expenses.
0: Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. What? What? How much is 14000 from 1968 to now? That's
2: it's at least fifteen thousand.
0: you know, I can't argue that.
2: I don't. Know. You're the one that usually looks that up. Uh, let's right, see. Why are you asking
0: us? I'm just, I'm just saying that's. I don't
2: know, but you're the one that usually looks it up. You I
0: know, know I am. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> what <laughs> about a... Oh,
2: that can't be right. <laughs> Joel is like seventy-two billion.
0: <laughs> seventy-two yen.
3: <laughs> no, I, well, I looked this. I was looking this up. Nineteen sixty-eight to. What? Hold on.
0: Now oh, I remember why I'm the one who looks yeah, it exactly.
2: up. Exactly. Exactly.
3: <laughs> it's it's right. One hundred seven thousand dollars.
0: Okay. What year was it again? Nineteen sixty one. One
3: hundred seven thousand dollars. Nineteen sixty
0: eight. Fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Not that I don't uh, believe you, Joel. I hope uh, it's one hundred seven. <laughs>
3: one hundred seven thousand four hundred thirty five dollars and fifty two cents to be exact.
0: Yeah, that is a uh, rate of inflation of six hundred and sixty seven percent. Joel is correct.
2: Look at that.
0: Yeah. How There's... much does
2: that hurt to say? Good God. <laughs>
0: How, how much did that hurt for him to go, all right?
2: No, for you to say Joel is correct. I'm saying, how much did that I don't hurt? Know.
0: Joel's been correct about a lot of shit, man. I mean.
2: All right, let's get out of this tweet. Play us off keyboard, Joel.
3: That took a strange turn. <laughs>
2: Ew, speaking of strange turns.
3: <laughs> Sorry, I chucked a possum off the cliff
0: and blacked out for a minute. So, conventions. That is the topic of the week. A group of people all gathering in one spot to celebrate one specific hobby, passion, desire, thing—whatever you know, whatever.
1: Or it could just be for work. Like those are cons too.
0: Yeah, I forgot about those. Oh man, that's true. I'm gonna and, talk uh,
2: about one that I went to for a work. Yeah, a work job.
0: Yeah, a work job.
2: Yeah, not like a play job, a work job. Work yeah. job. Right.
0: Work 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 job. Work work
2: work work. <laughs> hell is wrong with us quark, 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 like quark, we're all quark, having quark, strokes quark, quark,
0: quark. <laughs> if you listen to 40 going on 14 it's a mental decline of four guys
2: <laughs> that could be a tagline <laughs> <laughs> they got to episode
0: to, 300 nobody could speak english
2: if, if you listen to them from the beginning to the end you could hear them go insane
0: <laughs> work work so, did anybody go to conventions or? no okay. First off, hang on. Now, I want to I want to clarify the definition of a convention because. Hang on. There, my dad took us to things, but that were considered shows, but they were multiple days. So, would that con- be a thing?
3: Like Can a I, trade show? Is that what you're talking about? Or uh,
0: like a hobby show?
2: specifically. I mean, like, yeah, I would say like those like are a conventions. Show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think like so. The auto, like the Chicago Auto Show is a convention. It's not what we think of when we talk about conventions, but it is a convention. Okay, okay.
2: And there's a lot of business that gets done there. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not just about showing off your uh, prototypes.
1: Yeah.
0: Change okay. approved. Good. All right. So, did you guys go to conventions with your parents?
2: Yeah, no. I went to a car convention and I went to a couple gun conventions because that's a thing down here in Texas, of course. What? Yeah,
0: that's a. I find that hard to believe.
2: I've been I've been to several gun conventions. They're very interesting.
0: It's got to be an, a you know I I have not never been to one, but there have there are some of them up here. One of the most
2: interesting things is the guys that walk around several there are usually about up to two dozen guys walking around that have like six or seven different types of rifles Firearms. slung around their rifles slung around their arms and they're wearing sandwich boards listing the prices for each one. And they're just walking around looking at guns themselves, just hoping somebody walks up and says, Hey, I want to buy one of those guns off you. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's kind
0: of awesome, really.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of awesome and kind of scary at the same yeah, it's time. It's
0: kind of like, huh? <laughs> You're like a walking vending machine for firearms. I read yeah. about you in Shadowrun. <laughs> Do you have any ho-hos or ding dongs? Don't answer
3: that.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's that's, but that's when you talk about, you know, well, you know, what, we don't need to get into the gray area of gun laws in this yeah. show, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, there are. I've been to tons of gun conventions, and mm. I've been to uh, card collecting conventions. Um, because I used to be a, an average uh, basketball card collector. <laughs> not I'm
0: the cards. Fairly, I was. I was gonna no. say not the cards. I was thinking he was gonna speak good at speaking of. But well, I
2: mean, I I was never really into basketball or baseball or football, so basketball cards was it? Oh, okay.
3: I'm fairly certain my parents took us to a boat show at one point, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. And you if try we're to talking you're talking about rich things that you did convention went with our families or whatever. Or did yes. the butler Rachel. drive
2: you there? Or the chauffeur, which
1: one?
0: Neither. It was a
1: yacht show. And I know that I used to go to the Chicago Auto Show and some of the big, but the weirdest one I believe I've talked about on the show before was the lighter convention where like old school Zippos and made in occupied Japan lighters. My dad had a collection that he bought from someone and he'd sell off rare pieces at these conventions. Huh? That's kind of cool.
2: Is there there that much? Is, is there that much money to be made in that?
1: I mean, especially on rare pieces, yeah, actually.
2: like what was the most you ever sold one for?
1: you know, I don't know cause I was a kid. yeah, that's true. So huh. yeah, that's not the sort of detail that you really
2: pick up, but interesting. I mean, I could. it, it makes sense that they were, I just never really thought about it, that, that there would be some valuable Zippos and stuff out there.
3: Well, I just did a quick search for, and one of the most expensive lighters in the world is a limited series original 1933 Zippo, it goes
1: for $18,000. What? Oof. That sounds about Oof. right. And I know the ones from Maiden Occupied Japan, depending on the uh, quality of them, were worth a little bit because that's a very specific piece of American history. Oh, yeah.
0: The wartime Zippos. Yeah. Well, I
1: occupied Japan.
3: Oh, Japanese lighters. Oh, oh, never mind. I thought they it said there were some on eBay, but then I went there and I was like, yeah, that doesn't help. They weren't what what you were talking about. But that's interesting. I did. I never realized there was that much of a market for that kind of thing. You know, because you think about lighters, even Zippo's. I mean, granted, it's not like a big disposable thing, but. I never think about it as a collectability sort of thing.
1: Yeah, pretty I much. I've sworn I'd talked about that on this show. Yeah, I think. I think, have. I think
2: you. I think you have. I mean, it sounds, but it sounds slightly familiar. But I didn't realize there would be full conventions for that.
3: And it's, you're right, Patrick. Anything that has somebody that collects it, there's going to be yeah
0: a market for it. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
2: and yeah. everything is collectible to somebody. My
0: dad would take us to train shows.
2: So, oh, yeah, I forgot about I've been to one of those.
0: Yeah, so we would go to... It was actually at um, Cook County Fairgrounds. They would have a train show once or twice a year that would... Um, like, everything from HO scale, which is like the... Uh, it's like the standard, right? Yeah, that's like that's like when you think of the train that goes around the bottom of the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. That's like that's the standard. So the like the engines are about you know like half the size of your forearm. They're big, chunky, like Lionel sets and that sort of thing. All the way down to Z scale, where the engines are like as big as my pinky finger. Wow. Yeah. Now the cool thing was is that at least for me at the time, there was always. <clears throat> uh uh we'd go around and see these guys selling these rare train cars and that sort of thing but every now and then there would be a guy who had like books or some sort of like randos type stuff in there in fact i know there was one guy at the, the every year that had like d20 dice that had like like um not chess x who's the big dice they, Where you can go in there and buy yourself a cup of dice
1: oh sure. uh, Z- uh zaki game science
0: Something like that, where he would, he'd be like, maybe, maybe, I don't even know, but it was one of those guys like,
1: yeah, those are the two big dice companies.
0: Yeah. But he was like, yeah, you know, get, he had like a big old bin of dice and you're like, yeah, here's, you know, grab yourself a handful of dice. It'll cost you two bucks. So I got a lot of my role-playing dice from that, but it was really cool because these guys, they would, they would have stuff all the way going back to the fifties and sixties and old school. Like, uh, my dad has one, um, where the train pulls up its a car that carries uh, milk containers. And you pull it up and you press the button and the guy pops out of the train car and throws the milk containers out on the platform. And they're just little bitty milk contain- milk uh, jugs, like the big ones that like you see in the old movies, have magnets on the bottom, so he like throws them out of the thing, you load them back in, drive it around. But... Um, They had all these crazy type uh, train setups. And then there would always be one room where they would have quite possibly the largest model train setup I've ever seen in my life. And we're talking, imagine like 30 feet by 30 feet, just trains running. 15, 16, 20 trains all running at the same time across this whole thing. And like one, two, three guys all at the end controlling them all. It was pretty sweet.
2: I I love a really good model train setup.
0: Yeah. And my dad still does it. Like right now he has a L-shaped... About fifteen by ten table in his basement that he's putting together with all of his train stuff.
2: Hmm. I I still have all my old train stuff and this, and the this stuff that my father had that I inherited from him and I I want to put it up someday.
0: Yeah, I've always I always liked the Z scale because it was so tiny that you could have this huge little biosphere of train stuff going on in a very small area and it it, it like you could have a whole train set up just put it on a table and let it run type of thing that and we would also go for because my dad was into camping and kayaking and all that we would go to outdoor shows oh yeah 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 so and those weren't like boat shows i mean there were boats and campers and that sort of thing there but there were also like kind of awesome tables that just had like survival knives you know the rambo knife and that sort of thing you know like yep. bow and arrow and that sort of thing As you know for a 14 year old mike it was like yes please i have 20 dollars. give me one of those oh crap my mom <laughs> Lots of I w- fish I would always here. buy
2: the I would always buy the Chinese stars at the gun shows because oh, yeah, so, uh, you, uh,
0: didn't, you didn't
2: have you didn't have to be eighteen or twenty one to buy those. They didn't care.
0: Now that was a I mean okay throwing stars that was a thing in the eighties. We all had throwing stars for yep. sure. Is that a thing now? I don't believe so. I mean they're extremely inefficient. <laughs> they're not actually
1: very good as weapons.
0: No, but I mean I mean everybody all the guys had like a piece of plywood in their backyard. With a with a poorly spray painted body, you know, on it, and we would practice throwing our throwing stars at it. I just wonder. If
3: Maybe <laughs> are
0: the are the boys of today getting the weaponry that they need? That's a good question. Coolest oh. thing I ever saw at one of those was the throwing star belt buckle. Have you ever seen one of those? Yep. That
3: would hurt if you like didn't sit right. So it was-
2: this is not the throwing star show. We've somehow gotten onto. The-
0: oh yeah, we've sidetracked. <laughs>
2: Like Florence, i'm sorry i brought it up
1: Woo-hoo.
0: so what was the first convention that you guys went to by yourselves
1: oh by ourselves yeah jesus considering that uh i uh mostly I- went to gaming conventions with you guys i think my first by myself i was in the now i was probably like 26
2: Mine would have to be a, a card convention, I'm sure. Yeah, mm.
1: I, it would have been Origins for me driving to Columbus, Ohio uh, alone. Because, yeah, mm. I, I did done Gen Con for like 12 years before I'd ever done a convention alone.
3: Uh, I I remember one convention I really wanted to go to that I didn't get to go to was a Doctor Who convention when I was little. But the first one that I went to, uh, I went to a, a Comic Con wasn't It wasn't the big con that they had every year, the Kansas City Comic Con, but it was just a little one that was being hosted in like like a, a strip mall. Um, they had like a big, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like a refrigerator. They had Hello. like a dead possum, a, a separate Cliff. part of it was that was possum. just a large open space, and they had a bunch of uh, vendors An and auditorium, kind of. Yeah, like they had a bunch of vendors and stuff in there, and and uh, I remember my mom took me and. And dropped me off, and I stayed there for a few hours, went up, had lunch in the strip mall, and went back and, you know, looked around. And that, that was right, like, within the first couple of years after I started collecting comics. Uh, and it, it, it kind of blew my mind, like, how much stuff was out there. Because, you know, you go to your your comic shop, your local comic shop or whatever, and you see a bunch of stuff. But then there's, like, there's all this other independent stuff, and, you know, there were artists there and stuff.
0: And it just, it was like a whole world opened up. It was so
3: it was a comic convention was my first that
0: I went to by myself. I think this is going to sound kind of, I don't even know. So I used to go to, um, the like youth conventions, like Christian youth conventions. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were pretty much my first, the first ones I ever went to and they were up at like a Rosemont and I mean, they were all right. Looking back, they're kind of cringe because it was very happy clappy hero pup. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Um, I did, however, cause a ruckus when they had a talent show, and myself, my friend Brian, who played guitar, and my friend—I don't remember his real name, but his nickname was Binky—played <laughs> drums. And for talent show, we went up and sang um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" for the crowd, and then we got us—we got us finished up our our set. Got a stern talking to afterwards. They yeah, appreciate the devil's music. That didn't go over well. Up, uh, yeah, uh, apparently he
2: they played
1: would. Carmina Burana. <laughs> i'm always gonna go for the call back if it's there
0: (laughs) yeah no that was also one of those conventions was the one where i woke up in the uh in the bathtub was your kidney gone no my kidney was not gone it was actually not if not too long ago like i it was like been staying i was on the sleep show i've been staying up for like three days getting everything set up wound up in a room fell asleep and they just put me in the bathtub to let me sleep because they wanted to watch a movie
1: and then his liver was gone in the morning
3: yeah
0: i miss my liver
3: well, you shouldn't have left it you should have eaten the rest of your dinner
0: you yeah so i'm trying to think of other conventions i know josh and i went to a convention together
1: uh, that was a winter fantasy
0: yeah that was a lot of fun so uh, that was another
3: gaming convention
0: right yeah that yeah. was a gaming convention yeah that, sure. yeah that's where we played um uh what what did we play where i was the bard josh that
1: was the first uh living greyhawk which i went on to adopt as almost a lifestyle
0: yeah what was what what was the We was the um Temple of uh, Watchmoo who is it?
1: Yeah, Temple of Elemental Evil. Yeah. And
0: that <laughs> and that's where we almost died making a U-turn in the middle of a snowstorm on the on the highway.
1: That sounds about right.
0: Yep. So um, oh, good. I was going to say smaller smaller conventions, like little bitty ones, locals type of thing. Uh I most
3: of the conventions I went to in the then consisted of Matt Brown and I going to various conventions and one of the smaller ones we went to was at i want to say it was at the hyatt which he ended up working at later in life uh to a star trek convention where i uh, got marina Sirtis's aut- autograph
1: neat nice um,
3: she's tiny now but... was
0: she in a new hope or uh return of the jedi <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> Laugh
2: up, first of <laughs> she
0: was
1: with
3: carl orf i think
2: oh there you go yeah Remember that scene where she she was fighting the Daleks?
3: Yeah, yes. You're a wizard, Harry.
2: (laughs) The worst part was the Dementors.
3: (laughs) Um, But he and I also did a lot of of uh, comic conventions. So anytime Mm -hmm. Kansas City Comic Con rolled around, it's actually one of the first things Matt and I did together once we met was went to the con together and then... Uh, every year after that, all through high school, we would go whenever there was a convention, comic convention in town, we'd go. And we'd always go hang out with the artists, uh, Philip Hester, Fred Gorham. Uh, I met Kevin Eastman there. Uh, nice. Jay and, Jay and Jim Lee, uh, Peter David. Um, one of my favorites, though, was uh, Sergio Aragon, our Aragon. <gasps> uh, what? Yeah, I, I got him to autograph one of my uh, issues of Gru, and he drew a little... Little picture in there, too.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. Super w- nice guy. Now, this is kind of further now, but when <clears throat> I was working at the hotel company, uh, one of the, ho- the hotels we had was in Kansas City. And it was, I actually wound up having to go down there during Kansas City Comic Con a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And it, apparently, our hotel was the one where everybody stayed, all the celebrities stayed at. So it was like, um, uh, what's his name? Who who played the, the father guy on uh, Crap, My Brain, that uh, TV show about the motorcycle gang?
2: Sons of Anarchy.
0: Sons of Anarchy. Who played Ron the- Perlman? Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman. Yes. Ron Perlman was in the hotel. Uh, the chick from Sharknado was there. We had a WWC pro wrestler there. Tara Reed. Tara Reed was there, yeah. So, and the thing is like, all this is going on and there's all these people dressed in armor, you know, chain mail, that sort of thing, walking around and they're all in costume, wings, fairies, all this happening. And the best part about it was the team that we had down there was myself and a bunch of people from the corporate office. And I was the only person that wasn't like, what the hell is going on? I was, look, it was like, remember at one point, look, turning to the CEO. I'm like, why are you so like, you're like twitchy he's like it's just it's it what's going on there's just too much happening i'm like i don't understand what you mean it's like that guy's wearing a skirt I'm like no that's a kilt and i know that guy he, he was like the the strange thing was like it was funny cuz like a lot of people at the KC Comic Con i knew from GenCon in fact the guy in the kilt turned out to be the guy who ran the uh game library at GenCon oh okay yeah so i was like hey how you doing Hi, i'm from my you know i'm from Instant game show Hi, oh yeah i told totally remember you and then at that point, it was funny because, like, the CEO goes, "All right, if anybody needs to talk to anybody that's here for the convention, they have to go through Mike. He speaks their <laughs> language." I was just like, "All right, sure," but I got to say hi to Ron Perlman. I got to say hi to Tyra Reed. You weren't, you were, you weren't allowed to like geek out on him, but. It was kind of funny because to me to be a guy who goes to conventions all the time, being Im- immersed in it, it was so normal for me to see somebody dressed up as Poison Ivy walking by or see somebody dressed up in you know, full uh, uh, Warhammer armor and that sort of thing walk, just walking around. But it was kind of neat to see normies not knowing how to handle it.
1: It uh, reminds me of one year at Gen Con, uh, KISS was playing in Milwaukee at the same time. And the same time the KISS concert got out was the same time the vampire LARP got out. So it was funny walking down the streets of Milwaukee with the KISS fans and the vampire fans, KISS people in full makeup, vampire fans in full costume, each giving each other the side eye like, what's up with this freak? (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Which one was more metal? Ugh. Ooh, that's a that's, that's a race question. to the bottom right there.
2: <laughs>
0: now there, okay, we'll wait till then to talk about this one. But um, did you guys travel any distance back then to get to where you wanted to go? I know Josh went to Origins.
2: I mean, the furthest I went was downtown.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, until we get to college and I met you guys,
0: yeah, I didn't. I and it had to be local, mm-hmm. all of them. Yeah. Now the final question. What draws you to conventions?
1: I mean, I think for me, the first knowledge I had of conventions was from the mail order hobby shop, a catalog that TSR used to put out every year. And like Gen Con was just this thing because for me, it was like trying to get to play D&D before I got to college. It was difficult. Like I almost had to force people to play. I was trying to get a game together with like my brother and my dad.
0: wow i would have paid to watch that
1: yeah it's uh it didn't didn't work very well
0: (laughs) all right what are you doing i'm getting high
1: so, yeah, for me, the uh, the whole concept of just this place where there are all these people that were interested in the same thing I'm interested in uh, was a dream. It was one of the reasons why when we met, I think I was the only one who had been to Gen Con first because I uh, like, cajoled my dad to take us, even though my brother wasn't much of a gamer. And, yeah, I actually went to my first Gen Con the year before I met
2: you guys. Huh? Yep, 100%. You were the first one to go.
3: I mean, I think for me, it was just it was kind of what Josh was talking about. It's kind of this all of a sudden you're not that weird outside loner person. Like, you know, if I go to the comic book shop and they knew me there and, you know, you kind of run into some of the same people. So it was like kind of like a little bit more comfortable than just hanging out in public. But when you went to a convention... And all of a sudden, it's like at that time, especially, you know, it was just walls of comic book everywhere. And there's artwork and there's figures and there's movies and there's everybody that's just like you. And I mean, Matt and I would spend literally the entire day there. And I had a briefcase I would carry around because I thought that was cool. Um, and I'd, you know, I'd put all my, you know, they get a little bit of swag when you get there like you do at Gen Con. You know, you've got your free giveaway stuff. And then I'd put in, you know, the stuff that I bought for the day I'd put in there. And then he and I would go out and, you know, get a a Coke and a hot dog and sit down and kind of look at what we bought and just sitting there and talking to each other and going through the, the long boxes was just, it's like, you know, for a nerdy teenager, it's, it's kind of like your Nirvana. It's a happy place. Um, So it always felt kind of like going
0: home, if that makes sense. I think, I think that's a hundred percent of it is that you have like, Like we had talked about before in the gaming, I think one of the shows, my mom bought me the red box and the blue box, like in 1980. I was nine. So I was pretty much doomed from the start. And (laughs) yeah, it was. But going through, you know, being a kid and other kids didn't play board games. You know, much less sit down and have a map and all that other sort of thing. But it was like almost kind of homey to find a convention, find a place where everybody was into the same thing, where you could turn and, you know, talk to somebody about your favorite game or favorite comic or favorite, you know, train setup or whatever, and not have people think that bees were shooting out of your mouth.
2: Not only, you know, the ability to be around people that, you know, are all interested in the same thing, but to learn new things about what you're interested in. Yeah. To to find out more ways to do the stuff you're interested in, you know, and to find out that there's just all this other world of of knowledge and stuff that you didn't know about. That's what conventions are for to me.
3: Mm, For sure. Especially before the internet.
2: Right. Sometimes
1: you want to go where everybody knows
2: (laughs) your game. Is. oh
3: you're right though it is it's kind of like it's a a crash course or a, a huge download of information all at once uh and mm-hmm. when you didn't have access to that as easily as we do now it's like oh my god what is that that exists i didn't know about that what's that you know and all the independent stuff and weird things that you never would have found outside of that atmosphere yeah
2: that's what conventions are for for me i like watch walk in the convention store and seeing what's new
3: Seeing people hawking their wares and their news their... Uh, sometimes that's where a lot of that stuff gets... Well, as we know with Gen Con, that's where things get released a lot of times.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or
3: play tested, or, you know, pitched.
2: First time we ever heard of Magic the Gathering was on the convention floor. Yeah,
1: And some of the other fandom conventions, like buying stuff is the point. That's I, I referred to that at the top of the show with the anime conventions where people pay to show up to buy stuff.
3: Mm -hmm. which seems backwards, but you're absolutely right.
1: Yeah, it's a thing.
3: And I mean, sometimes it's not that much, depending on the size of the con. Like I think back in the days when I was going to KC Comic-Con, it was like, I don't know, like 10 bucks or something like that for both days or whatever, but well worth it. For sure, but I can't see spending. What you say, fifty bucks to buy a body pillow?
1: Yeah, like especially the anime cons. That's the big thing. Is like there's the it's like a four day badge of Gen Con, and the main feature is the con floor. It's not really you're not signing up for events so much. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can't. You're, I mean, you're
0: signing up to get onto the floor to, to be able to get the pre release of the manga that you're looking at or the pre-release of the DVD or whatever that you're looking for type of thing.
3: Hmm. I mean, good on them. I mean, I, I don't want to diss on anybody else's fandom. I, I can't quite imagine uh, spending more than a day or two at something like that. But, uh, you know, well,
0: I mean, the guy that, you know, we had on our head uh, on our floor, uh, Jason. Rest in peace. Yeah, I know he, he was a regular feature at a lot of, well, he was regular feature at ASEN out here all the time everybody knew him he was he was just a guy there and you know what honestly good for him he got into what he liked and yeah he did occasionally come out onto the floor and onto the uh the dorm common area dressed as robocop and uh,
3: you know all sound effects
0: all of it i kind of miss that guy but uh but yeah i mean that's that's just one of the things i think the biggest thing about conventions
1: is knowing that you're not alone in a fandom
3: but you better bring money.
1: Oh yeah, true. I mean, yeah, it's definitely different experience being the poor convention goer and being an adult. If if you decide, hey, you know, we're gonna do it this year and uh, not going to, we're just not gonna worry about money for one show. Yep.
3: yep. And you do that? Oh man. It can oh. go quick, but boy, it's
0: it's fun to be able to have that freedom. It's like it's like a roller coaster. It's not long, but it's a hell of a trip to get to the end. Tyler, you're That's what hit? she said. Hey, and I think that calls for the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's also what she said. Aww. Aww.
0: Now I'm sad. All right. We are going to take a little break now, and when we come back, we are going to talk about conventions now. So 2000 on, which I'm pretty sure, considering Gen Con, Game Cons, Work Cons, and all sorts of stuff, may be a thing. So we'll be back in a little bit. Hey, we are at the break, and this week's Geek Life Radio artist and song is Kirby Crackle with dusty cartridges and long boxes.
4: I take a mental picture in my mind We met I wasn't cool, but you're the one that did see through. And that's the moment I knew I'd make ex-babies with you. I showed you all my moves, and turned out I only had two. You rated me plus five endurance, agility plus two. All right, so Josh has been knee-deep.
0: All in the convention scene because he has had his name on like the checkbook type of thing. Um, so post 2000, mid- most of us have had like real jobs, like not so much like me working at a coffee shop type of thing. Companies that have had a yearly events type of thing. You know, what what's your experience with that?
2: I personally have done with that. I've never worked for a corporation long enough to go to a no. convention.
0: Yeah, none of my jobs,
3: unfortunately, had that sort of thing as an option. So, uh, really, at least, or that really? ever
0: attended anyway. Yeah,
2: there are plenty of HR conventions.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm eight, sure. Yeah, I got, I got stories for that man. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm
2: saying, like, I mean, you, you work in uh, there's, there's CSR conventions, not maybe, not maybe as many as HR, but
0: yeah, but do I really want to
2: go
3: to
1: something like that?
2: dude expense your meals
0: yeah dude especially if they're
2: paying
1: for the travel like business travel to go do work sucks business travel to hang out at a convention rules
0: yeah it does yeah semi-free
1: vacation mike tell us more about that we'll get back to me (laughs) because i already sort of hinted at mine
0: all right so i have worked for multiple companies that have had yearly cons yearly conventions type of thing and uh, the first one was when i worked for wizards of the coast and that was it's kind of kind of fudging the year between then and now because i think i if i remember correctly i signed on with wizards as a uh, manager of their retail stores in 1999-2000 but um they had a convention in Newport Beach, California, at a at a resort for all the Wizards of the Coast retail managers, and the theme of this convention was "Give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves." <laughs> <laughs> um, I have never been to a convention that had a Bloody Mary bar at breakfast, Yikes. but even back then, I was kind of like, it was it was like it was like um, uh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road. That's a trap.
1: I thought you were going to say Mad Men with all of the boobs. No, Oh, Goodness. no.
0: It was, it was a, I mean, there, we were at this, at this, um, I don't even know how to put it. We were at this resort, huge pool on the beach type of thing. And the first night, we all had a talking to the next morning because the resort owners were upset because the team had to fish beer bottles out of the pool. Oh yeah, that was like, day one, like the leaving Las Vegas convention, pretty much. Yeah, um, I know that during day one, I won an award for doing a Julia Child impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a thing. You do the weirdest impressions. I it was okay. You no, know, it was. I don't even know if I could do it anymore. But um. And we had like the team building events where, you know, they're like, oh, how do you strengthen your team in your stores? And here's a spreadsheet. And here's a here's a PowerPoint type of thing. But once it all shut down, they had a small mini convention of game companies that were showing their stuff to us to sell in the stores. So that's where I got my first 40K set from. They, and it wasn't just like it was like the 40K base set with the rule book and all the minis type of thing. And this strangely in a weird kind of like splinter conversation, this also put me in good with my father-in-law because they had a, um, a raffle and the, when I won the raffle and I was like, awesome, what did I win? And I'm like, I'm hoping for like, yeah, man, it's 2000. I hope I got a, I hope I got an Xbox 360 or something cool like that. No, I want a big Bertha golf club, like a driver. And I'm like, I don't play golf. So guess what my father-in-law got for Christmas that year? A Warhammer starter set? He totally <laughs> did it, right? And he's like, man, I'm going to spend all day painting these. No, I, I, was, I was the favored son-in-law for a little while after that. But um, the coolest thing about it was we we were in Newport Beach and we decided we're going to go out and we're all going to get seafood. We're going to a seafood place. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go whatever. I'll get in the car and I'll go wherever you guys want to go. I'll just go and eat. So I get in the car with a bunch of other people that are going to, to get dinner that night. And guess where they decided to go? Seeing that we're in Newport Beach and right next door to like all the fresh seafood you can get.
2: McDonald's. Steakhouse.
0: Joel? Burger King? Joe's Crab Shack. Oh, God. The McDonald's of seafood places. So we wind up at Joe's Crab Shack, and we all sit down, and we're in this huge table. And uh, as we're sitting there, I look up, and Patrick, what is what um, Chicago Bulls player, his nickname was the worm.
2: Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman.
0: Right. So we're sitting there, and I look up, and Dennis Rodman and a group of other people are sitting two tables away from us.
2: At Joe's Crab Shack?
0: At Joe's Crab Shack in Newport Beach, California. And I'm like, all right, hey. I'm like, I'm on a couple drinks in. I'm like, hey, check that out. Dennis Rodman, man, he's from Chicago. He will totally know me. I'm a Chicagoan. <laughs> so I go over and I say hi to Dennis Rodman. And then our groups merged because everybody followed me over. And he had this weird amalgam of people that followed Dennis Rodman around with Wizards of the Coast general manager store retail store people. So we hung out with Dennis Rodman for a night. It's a strange Venn diagram. Dude, tell me about it. It was just kind of like, hey, I'm sure he, you know, I have very fuzzy reminiscence of the whole thing. Something involving nail clippers. I don't know what the nail clippers are, but every time I think about this story, nail clippers come to mind for some reason or another. But the next morning, it was like at breakfast. everyone's was like, hey, yeah. Did we hang out with Dennis Rodman last night? Like, unless there was another dude who looked just like Dennis Rodman. Yeah, we totally did. So that was like the Wizards of the Coast one.
1: Um, That's even better than the year that the uh, horror movie convention was in the same hotel as Ides, and Tom Savini uh, wanted to find out why I, who he didn't recognize, was holding court in the hotel bar, and he joined our group for the night.
0: See, I think that's actually better than the Dennis Rodman thing.
1: But it wasn't all that wild. He was just like a low-key cool guy.
0: But I would appreciate – see, the thing is, though, Tom Savini, I can totally see him being, like, a low-key, hey, I just want to chill with you guys type of guy. What yeah, I re- didn't
1: quite understand what was going on, but he kind of fit in anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was like – my thing was like a whole bunch of awkwardness all around.
1: Okay, I get it. Yeah. But, yeah, right. I would
0: – given a choice between Dennis Rodman and Tom Savini, I would totally take Tom Savini 100% of the time. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah.
2: I'd have to go with Rodman simply because I could get a lot of basketball stories out of him.
0: Yeah, you would know what to ask him. Like, Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Th- those stories would mean a lot more to me than they would to you.
0: Yeah. I mean, whereas, like, I – could, I in my head, you say Tom Savini. I know exactly what he looks like. If I say Tom Savini to you, do you know who he looks like?
2: Yeah, I know who he is.
0: Okay. Well, then, cool.
2: He's a dude from uh, from Dust till Dawn with the gun penis. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's not wrong.
0: Yeah. No, no you're 100% right, man. Uh, the other thing is uh, Starbucks. Holy cow. Um, Starbucks every year would have a convention for all the general managers of all their stores. And it was usually in Seattle because Starbucks. And they had like, like we have a Gen Con. They have the, the dealer hall. They had that for Starbucks. And they would have like, like notebooks like this is the we you know we make these branded notebooks we make these branded this that, and other. and it's like um new uh coffee brewing equipment it would be shown off and it was it wasn't as big as gen con so we're not talking like three square miles type of convention hall we're talking about like maybe a half of it but um one thing i still do have from a starbucks convention is a starbucks uh cycling jersey that i won they had a virtual cycling race, and you had to get on this bike, a digital bike, and they had a virtual cycling like uh, uh, race. I mean, I don't know how to put it, race or whatever they call it. And whoever had the best time would win this Starbucks branded jersey that had like the double shot and all this all the stuff stuff on on it with uh, Seattle and everything else. And I wound up winning it. So in my closet right now, I have a Starbucks cycling jersey that I haven't worn in a couple of years because I haven't been on a bike in a few years. But um, the other thing about Starbucks is, holy crap, um, all the general managers were let loose at this time. And all the district managers were tasked with making sure that general managers didn't go completely apeshit. Every year we would lose about a dozen to 15 managers <laughs> because the worst year was... The year that I don't know what happened, but I know that there was a group of managers that were led out of one single hotel room, just given an airplane ticket home and saying, Here's your ticket home. You don't work for us anymore. Um, because the neighboring rooms complained about the noise. I'm trying to put this as nicely as possible. Is there an orgy? Yes.
1: There was one year that we all almost got invited to an orgy by accident. (laughs) Was I with you? What? Uh, Yeah, I think you guys went to a concert. We were invited (laughs) to a white wolf party that apparently turned into an orgy. I continued on with a Shadowrun event that was super interesting to me instead. Um, But yeah, that was definitely a thing that happened. The the white wolf party turned into an
2: orgy. I am disappointed.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Was this
0: like 2005-ish?
2: Uh
1: no, this would have been much earlier because 2005 would have been
0: indie by that point.
1: Yeah this this was Milwaukee.
0: Oh okay. Now Joel, the one time you and I wound up in the presidential suite at the Hilton. Yes. Uh, dude, we met Gary Gygax. Do you not recall that? I'm just, I'm
3: thinking. I remember going to something in a fancy hotel room, and it was really dark. And there was people, like, sitting around and stuff, but I don't
0: remember that part okay, of Okay, that, that was it. That was the night that you and I met Gary Gygax and my, Mark Reinhagen, the guy who invented, uh, put together uh, Vampire of the Masquerade. See, that, that rings more of a bell, but I don't okay. remember Gary Gygax. Gary was in the kitchen. Huh. Yeah. Just kind of weirdness all around the conventions. Now, I will tell you, if you ever want to get completely messed up, go to an HR convention, Human Resources, because those people are the opposite of HR. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> uh, the last one I went to was actually in Vegas. How do I put it? Like the con- like the dealer hall for HR. You and you could walk around. They would have like different training modules and different type of you know, like HR type of stuff in a convention hall that was maybe half the size of uh, Gen Con. So, you know, uh, like the, a very large auditorium type of thing, but at every third crossroad, they had tables set up with different, uh, with Chardonnay, Kabsov, um, Cabernet, you know, all these different wines and drinks and tables in the middle. And that, that got messy real quick. It sounds like an HR nightmare. Oh, HR people should not be left to their own devices. I'm going to tell you that right now.
1: Now, when it comes to professional conventions for me, it's funny that Patrick was talking about having to be explicit when talking about the NRA convention. Because when I talk about Gamma, I have to very carefully enunci- uh, enunciate when people ask what it's for, because it's the Game Manufacturers Association. See, I knew what you were talking about. Yes, but most people hear me say the Game Manufacturers Association, and they're like, the Gay Manufacturers Association?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I saw that episode of The Simpsons.
2: We, we build the gays there
1: so that is all held in vegas and it's uh back in the day it always used to be in late march so i'd usually get done with the convention i owned and get on a plane and go to a convention for work and near the end of hobby town when i I was running the uh i was managing the hobby shop for almost 10 years it was pretty much just a vacation Uh, I would go and uh, participate in the poker tournaments. I would uh, get all the free swag and we uh, get previews of the new products for the next year. Uh, A couple of years, I was uh, nominated for the retail board of directors. Uh, Never won, never won the election. I, I had a runoff one year and lost the runoff. Aww. um, But that was always a blast, like just going there, uh, learning which uh, poker table had Peter Atkinson at it, who was the uh, guy who uh, owned Wizards of the Coast for a while and later, uh, after selling Wizards of the Coast, owned Gen Con LLC. Whatever mm-hmm. poker table he was at, uh, he had what seemed like infinite money and no poker skill.
0: I, I have... This is where our Venn diagram crosses over, because I have been at Gen Con at Ike and Jonesy's with Peter Atkinson before.
1: Yes, I was there with you. We Were you? We, we drank uh, at karaoke with Peter Atkinson and Kenneth Haidt. Yes!
0: Who's
3: Ken yeah. Height?
1: Ken Height is uh, a real good writer. Uh, he's written a bunch of stuff for uh, Steve Jackson games, and he's also written maybe the finest treatise on role-playing game mastery ever, uh, specific to horror, a book called Nightmares of Mine, which mm-hmm. I always recommend to Game Masters. Uh, but yeah, Ken Hite and... Peter Atkinson somehow ended up at our table one year at karaoke. That was
0: a crazy night.
1: That was a crazy night. And yeah, so I've actually spent quite a bit of time in Peter's presence. Uh, there was a convent, There was a speaking track for conventions and those who run them, and he was a featured presenter. And there were only like five of us in the audience, and there were three presenters. It was him, the guy who runs Dragon Con, who is like the most stereotypical big southerner. Like, if you were to see a guy in a car who owned oil wells that's the dude who ran dragon con
0: i would love to go to dragon con um
1: yeah like if i if i ever believed there was a guy who did have steer horns on the front of his car is that dude Mm -hmm. um so yeah i loved gamma it was my favorite part of the whole year when it came because it was like the stress of IDs was over i was able to go there and uh, because i was representing a pretty big franchise people were just throwing free games at me Got to occasionally do karaoke, play poker. A couple of years, I was up pretty big in Vegas. Yeah, good times. G- Gamma Show was uh, some of the best vacations before I got married. I've, I, I took lifetime.
0: Nice. Joel, do you have any... <clears throat> any, what? any... Anything. I mean, any work conventions or anything, anything that you've done in the last... Uh...
3: I mean, the, the only conventions I've been to... Post 2000, uh, I in one year enjoyed spending the day with uh, you and your wife and kids, when we went to c Two E Two, and I met one of my childhood artistic heroes, uh, Tim Vigil, there, which I remember seeing that he was going to be there, and I so I brought a bunch of like the the Did books you have that to I stay had. Up all night to meet him? No, because uh, not not a lot of people know who Tim Vigil is. I mean, there's the hardcore people that are fans, but. But the funny thing is, you know, you when I met him, uh, he was super down to earth, normal, nice guy. Uh, and, you know, not anybody. There was a couple people that came by as I was kind of staking it out and kind of getting the nerve to go say hi. Because, you know, this is a guy that when I was a kid, I found his comics uh, in a, and actually in a shop in Chicago before I lived there. I was on a trip here with my mom um, and. I kind of fell in love with his, his artwork and his, his characters. And so here we were at this convention and I went over and chatted with him and got him to sign some of my books. And some of them he's like, wow. He's like, I forgot this even existed. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so, that was pretty cool. Plus there was a lot of neat stuff that we saw there like uh they had a, Did, did no. he look
2: around for security after that? <clears throat> no. Yeah. Okay. Um
3: like you know, they had like a full-size Tardis. And they had people dressed up in a, a like a in a full Xenomorph costume and uh It was, that a was good, awesome. It was a good time. I was glad that I went. Plus we had the the security goose that was keeping
0: track of our car for us while we were gone. Um That goose was such a bitch. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was okay. Let me explain the the security goose. So we parked on the parking garage on the top floor because there was absolutely no other place to park. But there was a Canadian goose on the top level that had decided the entire top level was its domain. And everybody who parked Mm -hmm. there and got out of the car had to get chased by the goose to get to the elevator.
3: So our, our car was in pretty good hands.
0: Yeah, we were all right. <laughs> um,
3: and then, of course, you know, Gen Con, which we did the Gen Con show, but that's since moving back to Chicago,
0: uh, The well, the, to Rockford. Okay, um, I, I just want to point out that the Gen Con show came out in 2014. Yeah. so And I was the changed.
1: only one on it live.
0: Yeah.
3: But you know if I've gone to Gencon every every year with, with you guys for uh instant game show uh the only other thing that I guess would c- kind of qualify here is the oddities uh, and Curiosities expo mm. that
1: uh yeah that's definitely a sort of convention that the rest of us wouldn't have been to
3: we uh, uh Laura and I went with uh some mutual friends of ours that uh are also you know like the oddities and the curiosities and it's basically just a uh, um mostly a dealer hall, but they have some shows and things that they have there and other stuff that goes on. But, uh, like, uh, like, you know, weird artwork, uh, primarily is the main thing, but then there's, um, uh, you know, there's some like is the T-shirts for and display or for sale, for sale. Um,
2: so then this is a convention that you paid to get into that is mostly for buying things.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, not an exorbitant amount of money, but uh, you know, a, a lot of horror stuff. And uh, um, there was one booth where people were doing uh, uh artwork. Okay. that had oh, had sorry. blood in the artwork, like actual,
2: Ugh. like yeah, use uh, their necessary. blood.
3: Um there was a lot of, you know, like wet
0: specimens and uh don't say wet specimens. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah. What was with that phrasing right there? Oh that's oh, that's what you call the
0: the fact that you said blood and wet specimens in the same minute. Yeah. Wet specimens. You know what I'm talking about, right? Stop saying
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still into it. Proceed. Uh, that's and then my they have
3: lo- lots of artwork, you know, with like bones and uh uh ah! taxidermy and things like that. Um and they had the one of the, the shows they had was, you know, kind of like a freak show uh, where they had people like sword swallowing and stuff like that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And we wanted to go last year. But, of course, the pandemic hit and uh, it was wasn't
2: a, wasn't a lot of fun for whatever had to give their bones up. <laughs>
3: It was canceled, but um hoping that they'll be back again this year because it's, it's just a good time. And Laura and I, you know, we have a rather large collection of of uh, artwork, you know, prints that we buy. Um, and, you know, all the stuff there kind of hits our sweet spot as far as, you know, kind of creepy and cute and um, horror theme stuff. No, I didn't buy any of that. Figure I could Blood. make that myself.
0: I don't believe you.
1: Did you get any wet specimens? <laughs> ah! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> that,
3: that, see that's that's kind of something that's outside of my realm of anything I really want to own, but uh, it's interesting nonetheless. It's it's they a lot own of fun. You. If, uh, uh, if you guys are into that sort of thing, you should check it out. Go to their website, Oddities no. and Curiosities
0: Expo.
1: What <laughs> best. It's fun. The fuck is wrong with you? I have a new favorite phrase.
0: <laughs> I don't even know where to take this at this point. Quits. Stop saying that. <laughs> uh but yeah, um what the hell were- talking i you totally derailed me, Joel, so you get a ribbon, yay, yeah,
3: I've been waiting for my ribbon,
0: so um, Joel and guys, we had talked about uh gen con now and and we have seen the evolution of Gen con going from uh Milwaukee, which was kind of, this blows me away, Milwaukee, which was kind of like, yeah, you're here to Indianapolis, which is like. Hello, welcome to Indy. Give me all your money. Uh, you know what's what's the biggest change that you've seen so far between the two?
2: Well, Indianapolis, it's pretty clear. You know, cares a lot more about us being there. Yeah. Um, the the food is, uh, I would say, is, is probably about the same. I I liked Milwaukee's food quite a bit. They had a lot of good restaurants, and Indianapolis does too. But you know, right around the the convention center, it's all the same. You have to drive if you really want to get anything
1: different. I miss Mater's, the German
2: restaurant. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and and the safe house obviously.
1: Oh yeah. Safe
0: house was always a good time.
2: Copper penny. I
3: you know, I was I think the only I think I only went to Milwaukee once and I think it was the last year that uh uh before they moved. I'm fairly certain. Um so I, I didn't have quite as much experience there as you guys did, but I like Milwaukee. I like the layout, but Indies where I'm familiar now. And uh we can all say we were at the fiftieth anniversary.
0: Yeah, it was, that was a good time.
3: Was it 90,000 people in downtown Indianapolis?
0: They, they had a huge amount of people show up for the 50th anniversary of that. I mean,
3: it was shoulder to shoulder. The entire, anywhere you went, it was shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm.
1: It was definitely a culture shock experiencing the convention from kind of the other side. Like, uh, being someone who worked it rather than someone who, uh, was just there to attend.
3: That's an interesting point. Well, I mean, you had the, the experience of being a, a featured performer, a, you know, one that's running it and as an attendee, Mm -hmm. um, and it definitely is different to being on the other side of it. I mean, because when we would go there, I always refer to it as a work vacation because while we were there and we did, you know, frequent the dealer hall and enjoy, you know, kind of the fun stuff to do, we had a job to do at the same time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's there's something to be said about that because, you, you know, you go around and you're doing that and you're kind of entertaining those people uh, and providing them a better con experience, I hope. I mean, I feel like we, when people would see our show, they would leave and, and had a good time and talked about it. And, you know, we've got our fans that are now friends with us on Facebook or that come back. Yeah, um,
2: yeah, we, yeah. We get mostly positive feedback. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We, okay. So for the listeners out there right now that don't know what we do at Gen Con for the last, well, skipping 2020, 10 years. Yeah. Um, 2021. Yeah. I know, right? 2021. We're ten. We're about a decade in. Um. Patrick, myself, Joel, and Josh, uh, and Sarah, our friend Brian, our friend Jay, and uh, other assorted family and or friends that show Laura, up for it. Laura, Laura yeah, um, we've run a thing called Instant Game Show that shows up at Gen Con every year, and occasionally at um, Kevin Con out in India, India, out in uh, Illinois. Um, we're, we're a roving game show is the best way to put it. Uh, we will show up, we'll drop our cart down in one spot, put up the speaker, and just start giving out prizes for trivia questions, for um, physical challenges, for would-you-rathers, and for, at one point or another, lip-sync battles. And it's it's been fun. It's been a really good time. Uh, we have actually gone from being, let's see, when I first started doing it, it was me with a computer desk on wheels that I pushed around the convention with a speaker that had clipped on my hip with a microphone, uh, by myself giving out prizes and, prizes and doing trivia and everything out to a team of fourteen of us now. I don't know, it keeps growing. It keeps with... it, it really does. It keeps getting bigger, but um yeah, I mean now we've gone from, you know, general like t shirt prizes to Uh, all sorts of different companies within Gen Con, uh, game convention, uh, giving us stuff to just give away. And that's our whole thing, is to make the convention better for everybody and have a good time and just give stuff away. I mean, sometimes it's really difficult to just give somebody something, as Patrick (laughs) can attest. (laughs) They make it difficult. I mean, even
3: Gen Con now gives us four-day badges to give away to people, and we've gone from... The humble beginnings you talked about to being one of the featured performers that's
0: there every year. Yeah, I won't lie. Sometimes sometimes it's like Pat and I look at one point or another like, all we want to do is give you guys games. Why are you making this so difficult? Right. I'm not good with words. Let, yeah, with, with letters. You, yeah, I'm not good with letters. You picked the one guy, the one illiterate dude in in Gen well, Con. I, mean,
2: I got it. Well, I mean, if, if we're gonna be honest, the 12 inch beard should have been a slight clue. But, <laughs> but-
3: well, and he's not. He's not being mean in saying that the guy just was not intelligent. He literally couldn't read.
2: Yeah. yeah, I tried to play yeah. a, I tried to get a guy to play a word game who, who was functionally illiterate.
0: Now, in one part not of on my purpose, brain... Not on no, purpose. No, I, no, no. I didn't
2: know that bringing him up there. I didn't. No,
0: but at the same time, if that guy, if I ever find out that that guy was playing you... Right. And he is actually like a professor of literature somewhere yeah. in a college, <laughs> I would...
2: No, he's, a, he's a he's a well-known sci-fi author. You and I just... Yeah, recognize right. Him. <laughs>
0: that would i'd be like all your meals all your drinks on me for the entire week well played but i mean when you
3: take a large group of people that typically kind of you know they they play their game and they have their small core group of friends and maybe aren't the most socially adept people and you put them in the center stage it kind of creates some interesting outcomes um you know, people are kind of shy and some people more than others. But then occasionally you get the people that are out there that are taking their clothes off in the middle of the, uh, the lip sync paddle.
0: Yeah, that's happened.
3: Yep. So it, it, you get all kinds of people and you never know what you're going to get, but it's always a good time.
0: Yeah. Always.
3: And we have fun. I mean, it's, it's a chance for us to spend, you know, uh, almost a, a week together just hanging out and having a good time.
2: And just just FYI, Mike is one of those people that that took his clothes off in the middle of the lip sync contest. Well,
0: all right, I I got nothing. <laughs> you can't deny that. I but mean, I, there's
2: video. We we yeah, have proof.
0: I I really can't. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, that's our that's our our. <clears throat> Our current situation with conventions is we've lifted the curtain. We're on the other side now. Uh, we don't we don't even get to go to any of the the games or anything. We hardly get to go to the convention hall it, itself. I mean, we spend eighty five percent of our time at Gen Con now, uh, either either resting from from running a show or running a show and or preparing for a show or putting stuff away for a show from a show. We
0: yeah.
1: drink a lot too. <clears throat>
0: we 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 drink a lot. Yeah. I mean, eat. We eat too. Yes.
2: Yes, we eat too,
1: but we drink a (laughs) lot.
2: Yes. Well, I'm talking about time during the actual convention. Yeah. Yeah. Most of our, the majority of our drinking is uh, post-convention hours. Majority. That's true.
0: Is it? Is it okay? We'll go with that.
2: Not all of it, but majority. Majority of it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting to see, like when we first started showing up to Gen Con, how we would go to Gen Con and there would be the weeks beforehand where we would plan out every minute.
1: Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I, like I would sit down with like what everyone wanted to play and I'd have everyone's registration books laid out in front of me coordinating so we could all have like a full convention experience which yep. honestly should have been the dead giveaway that I was going to end up running Run. conventions at some point. <laughs> I know.
3: And now we go and we have a, a rough schedule of where we need to be and when we need to be there and more or less.
1: And yeah. after we're drinking, it's a really rough schedule.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, with having all the people we have. <laughs> and-
2: <laughs> it's always so funny to see how willing we are to do a 10 a.m. show depending on how late we were out the night before. Like, yeah. if, we, if, we, if we close the bar down, we're like, yeah, 10 a.m. shows aren't so important.
3: And our shows, <laughs> on average, run at least an hour to an hour and a half almost.
0: Yeah, we. it's not like we, we don't have quantity for it. And it's like when we, we go out and do a show, even if we are hungover on something, you know, if anything we're honest with the group with the, oh, yeah. with the people that show up like all right hey we're gonna do is the game show
2: we we tell we oh we always <laughs> tell them they can come out drinking with us <laughs> yeah which leads to one of my favorite nights of all time in my life at gen con when we got to go out drinking with uh rick sanchez from rick and morty yep uh, oh yeah was... he's
1: still a friend of mine on facebook yeah. yeah
2: yep there was a guy dressed up as uh as, as rick from rick and morty and we found out uh just by coincidence that mike does a great morty impression and as he was walking by us mike threw out the morty impression that he didn't even know he had and it kind of glommed him onto us and for the rest of the night we went out drinking with rick and his friends and it was
0: no rick rick and his father-in-law who apparently was a roadie for uh the allman brothers band mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what he looked like and <clears throat> I don't know. I think Josh...
2: Yeah, his pocketbooks looked like uh, Bill Gates. Dear God. Yeah, he paid yeah. for all our drinks for the whole night. It was, it was it was a great hookup. Here's
0: $500 when this runs out. Come back and get, and I'll give you more. Well, I fell
2: down in the, in the street.
1: Sarah <laughs> <laughs> and I left before the rest of you, and if John Kamala had not found us drunk wandering the streets, <laughs> we would still be in Indianapolis <laughs> right now. God. <laughs> uh, yeah, he yeah. led us back to the hotel. We were the first to leave and the last to arrive.
0: Ugh, that was the worst and the best night. <clears throat> I, I vaguely remember Sarah daring me to get onto the dance floor and get everybody to start doing the dance from the uh, movie Airplane where they're pointing at the knife in their back.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, it, right. and it worked.
0: Yep. We've, we've, we've derailed. Well, We're still talking about conventions. Yeah, it's a convention.
3: And we kind of have yet to see. I mean, there's been some... Post pandemic conventions that have happened. But, uh, you know, be curious to see how. How that maybe changes as time moves on.
1: I've actually done um, one. Uh, Red Nose Day does an annual D and D event, and uh, while I mostly uh, watched panels, watched uh, like famous people playing D and D, rather than like I could have signed up for events myself, I was just fascinated by like cast of Stranger Things uh, doing D and D, cast of Game of Thrones doing D and D. but yeah, they had all the like Zoom events that you could sign up for and uh it's just wild to see that sort of gaming evolve considering that from uh living greyhawk through living arcanus where my character was immortalized as like a big part of the fiction like that was a huge part of my life and it's how i met my wife that's awesome hi sarah hi sarah long asleep
0: (laughs) well wake her up damn it no i mean it's it's the best some of the best times and some of the most fuzziest times of my life have been at (laughs) conventions and the best thing about it is being with people that i know are totally in on whatever it is that i'm in on so like gaming or anime or you know whatever that's that's just it's comforting to know like when we go down to indianapolis for gen con By Thursday night, you have a 90% chance of turning to somebody in any random bar and saying, hey, have you played the new D&D game or new D&D module or whatever? And they will know what you're talking about. It's like being in your own little private ecosphere of just people that like the same things you do.
2: And if you don't know what it is, it's anime.
0: 100% for you, dude. Mm -hmm. That's the rule. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. I think we got enough on this one. You yeah. really can't do a thumbs-up, thumbs-down on this. But, uh, Joel, what do we have coming up soon? <clears throat> well, uh, we're going to be talking about pirates.
3: Arr. We're going to be uh, taking a trip to Castlevania. And Ooh. we're going to be talking about moving. Not just, like, exercise, but, like, moving from one home to
0: the nether home. I want to move it, move it. That's To another home? To another I home.
1: I really to the, want to move it, move it.
0: To the nether realm. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, if you have any thoughts about your own convention experience, I know some of our listeners first met us at conventions. Yeah. Uh, let us know your con story. Give us a call at 708 wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Yep.
0: And, again, if you're looking for more of this, you can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts. Blueberry, we are on Podbean. Follow us there. Leave us some comments. You know, uh, drop us a note and uh, let us know what you what you like and don't like about the show. We're easy. We're okay. And, uh You know, we will be back next week, and thank you for listening.
2: stretch of time when he was an EMT. Like how fucking weird would that be? You're like you're in shock and so and they're they're trying to put a neck brace on you and you're like, are 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 you David Lee Roth? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Indeed, my dear boy. <laughs> and
2: he's like, well, my, <laughs> might as well jump. And he just. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. I still hate that song. Yeah, dumb song. Tonight, Good. 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 Good.
4: Just the other day, I saw my reflection in your frames And it reminded me that I should clean my action figure case I love the smell of toys, like I love the smell of your hair But sometimes I think I like the smell of toys a bit better And Dusty cartridges and long boxes That's how we spend our nights Reading comics and robot fights I love to cheer you on As your level advances And as you glance my way You giggle and drink your IPA I take a mental picture in my mind Wasn't cool But you're the one that did see through And that's the moment I knew I'd make ex-babies with you I showed you all my moves And turned out I only had two You rated me plus five Endurance, agility plus two Dusty cartridges And long boxes That's how we spend our nights, reading comics and robot fights. I love to cheer you on as your level advances. And as you glance my way, you giggle and drink your IPA. I take a mental picture in my mind. You see, there's no better way to be. When you're bagging board my comics, you're always careful with the crease. CGC says 9.3, but you're a 10 to me. Like Bo Derek. And Dusty cartridges and long boxes. And that's how we spend our night. Reading comics and robot fights I love to cheer you on As your level advances And as you glance my way You giggle and drink your IPA I take a mental picture in my mind